Well, good morning, Four Points. Hey, it's great to be back with you. And I, I hope you're doing great, and I hope you're just uh, having a great summer, and it's fixing to end and t to some extent. And uh, you students are just excited about going to school. You can't wait to study and do all your homework. And parents are like, yes, they got to go back. Moms are rejoicing, right? Yeah, I got you. I'm, I'm tracking with you. Have you ever had one of those days that just didn't turn out like you expected? In other words, you woke up in the morning and you thought this, this, this was going to happen and then not, okay? In other words, it just one thing after another just fell apart. Today we're going to look at a guy in the scripture that I think had that kind of day. He woke up and, and he was doing something that Jesus had told him to do and then all of a sudden the unexpected happened. Well, that kind of happened to me this past week. I was working down in a little place I bought and got a pond and uh, I ended up being some feed for some bees and they tore up my hand and my arm and I was riding on a skid steer it's kind of like a small little tractor thing and uh, I guess I disrupted their home life or something and they tore into me well if that wasn't bad enough the, the skid steer that I was working on I got stuck spent five hours Morgan trying to get that thing out. Five hours, okay? Literally, seriously, my son's here. He'll tell you that. I mean, it went back and forth. Finally did, went down the road and found an old farmer down there. Had a 1956 Ford. He says, well, I'll see if we can pull that thing out. Came down there and helped me, and we finally did get it out. Well, in the meantime, in the midst, as we say, I decided that I was just fed up with it. I was, you know, out there, and I'd worked on that thing a couple hours, and I said, well, I'm just going to go sit down on the dock. Well, if you will notice in this picture here, this is the armrest where you're supposed to sit right here, okay? I sat down in my chair, and my big bahunkas just went straight down through it and <laughs> ripped up the chair. Took me 10 minutes to get out. I finally just fell over and rolled out of that thing, okay? You know you're having a bad day, right, when uh, your chair just, just goes kablunk. But, uh, you know, hey, things didn't, weren't so bad. But uh, we're going to look at a guy by the name of Peter in, in Luke chapter 22. And, and Peter's just a guy that, I, that you know, just amazes me a lot of times. And, and it amazes me that God would use Peter to some extent. It amazes me that God would use me. And, uh, but if we look in Luke chapter 22, there are some private conversations, okay? And that's what we're going to kind of look at for the next two weeks, some private conversations in the life of, of Peter. Jesus is, is getting ready for his death, and he's at the upper room, and they've had a supper there together. And, and Jesus has washed their feet, and Peter's the guy that Jesus comes up to wash his feet. And Peter says, no, no, Jesus, you're not washing my feet. You know, I'm, you know, I'm too good for that, I guess. Or I'm, you know, and Jesus says, well, you know, if I don't wash your feet, and Peter says, well, then wash my whole body. You know, that was Peter. And, and basically, in this passage of Scripture, Jesus is telling them that, guys, I'm going away. You're going to be alone. I'm going to die. And, and you know, uh, one of you is going to betray me. And, and what do you think these godly disciples, these spiritual giants, these, you know, riffraff that Jesus has chosen... You know what they do, guys? 
The Bible says in, in verse 24 that they began to argue among themselves who would be the greatest among them. I mean, Jesus has just spilled his guts. He shared once again his mission, and these guys are like, well, I'm going to be better, I'm going to be better. You know, they're having a private conversation among themselves, and Jesus realizes what they're doing. And that's so much like us. We, we really miss what Jesus is trying to do because we get so wrapped up in who we are or what's going on with us. Well, that's kind of what happened here in, in this passage of Scripture. Not something I thought that would happen. And then basically, Jesus drops a bombshell on Simon. Simon's the one he changed his name to Peter the Rock. And, and basically, we see that Jesus has a private conversation with Simon. Look at this in Luke chapter 22. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat, but I have pleaded in prayer for you. Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Let me back up here. We missed one there. There we go. Okay. But Peter said, Lord, I am ready to go to prison with you and even die with you. You see, Peter's kind of having a self-hugulation going on right there. You know what I mean? He's hugging himself and telling Jesus how great he is. You know, Almighty God, the, you know, the God that knows everything. But notice what Jesus said. But Peter, let me tell you something. Did your mama or daddy ever tell you that? Let me tell you something, son. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times, and you will deny that you ever knew me. Isn't it kind of hilarious how Peter responded to that? Isn't that what we do? If you go on and read down in that passage of Scripture toward the bottom part of it, the last of it, Peter definitely denied Jesus three times. And he basically said, I don't even know him, much less, you know, hey, I don't even know this guy. I've never been around him. I don't know what you're saying. There was a private conversation, you see, guys, in the heavenly realms between Jesus and Satan. Because Satan wanted to sift Peter. In fact, Jesus says to Simon, Satan has requested permission to sift you like wheat. In other words, Simon, Satan has requested to come between me and you, to make a barrier between us, to cut off my influence from you. Simon, Satan has asked to sift you. You may say, well, pastor, what in the world is, is sifting? What does that mean? Sifting is a process of separation. It's a process by which grain is separated from the chaff, and, and, and you, know, you, don't, you don't want to cook that or eat that, and so it has to be removed. And so basically, really in that situation, Jesus is saying, Simon, Satan wants to separate us. Okay? And the way that, that, that is done is, is the sifting basically is something that they, they take the wheat and they'll lay it on the ground first and they'll take this thing and kind of beat it to soften it, okay? And then the women would take it and put it in this big dish-like and they would throw it up in the air and, and the wind would blow away the impurities of the chaff, okay? And that is a process that we all go through in our life. Sifting is part of the spiritual life. 
Now, somebody here today is going through that. Somebody here today, there's some sifting going on in your life. You feel like you're tossed around. You feel like there's a barrier. You feel like maybe life has gotten the best of you. And maybe somebody here today, you even feel like Simon. Maybe you feel like that you have betrayed God himself. Could somebody here relate to what I'm saying? Who is this message for in this service? Who is God speaking to today? You see, not only do I believe that God lets people be sifted, but I believe that God lets churches be sifted. Some of you have been here at Four Points a long time, and you know in the last three years you've been through a lot. Some of you are hurt. Some of you are disappointed. Some of you don't understand. You don't know why what's gone on has gone on in this church. And, and you feel tossed around and, and you just don't get it. Listen to me this morning. Listen to this. Please get this. The devil may take you by surprise, okay? The devil may take this church by surprise, but he will never take God by surprise. God knows every single thing that's happening in your life. God knows what's happening here at Four Points Church. And God knows what he uses, needs to do for this church. And he wants you to be a part of it. Here's the first thing I want you to see this morning. What Satan wants to use to destroy you, God uses to develop you. Do you see that? What Satan wants to use to destroy you, God wants to use to develop you. Sifting has a purpose greater than us. In other words, if you're going through sifting, there is a purpose. There's something that God wants to do through that. You know one place God usually a lot of times has to sift us is an area of our life that we won't give up control. Do we have any control freaks in here this morning? Some of you are honest. That's good. Okay. You see, God uses sifting to separate us from what's destroying us. What did Jesus do? He took what Satan wanted to do, in a sense, to separate Simon, to harm Simon, but Jesus used it to get Simon's attention so Simon could understand his weakness, so Simon could see that it wasn't his self-confidence that was going to enable him to do what God wanted him to do. It was God's power in his life. You see, I believe Peter's worst nightmare that day turned into his greatest opportunity. Peter's vanity was sifted out. His self-confidence was sifted out. His rash presumption was sifted out. And then that impulsiveness just to say anything was not there anymore. And he became what Christ said he would. He became Peter, the rock. I read a story, I guess it was last week. I very seldom use something I read on Facebook, okay? Uh, I don't, you know, hardly ever put anything on Facebook. Sometimes I'll read it just so I can get a good laugh. But uh, there was a story in there last week. I don't even remember where I saw it. But it was about an old farmer, and it got my attention. 
And I think it may help us and shine some light about, about what we're talking about. So it says there was an old farmer that's in this small group, and, and there was a visiting pastor that attended the breakfast that these guys had in this very rural area. Kind of reminds me of some of the areas around here. And that group had asked this old bib overall wearing farmer to say the blessing before they ate that morning. So he gladly said he'd do it. And he, and he prayed like this, Lord, I hate buttermilk. The pastor kind of thought, that's a weird prayer. You know, what kind of group is this? And he kind of opened one eye and glanced around a little bit at the farmer and wondered where he's going with this. And then the farmer loudly proclaimed, Lord, I hate lard. Now the, pot, you know, the pastor's really growing concerned now. He said, boy, this is going to be a different group. And then without passing a beat, the farmer continued, and Lord, you know, I don't care much about raw flour. Well, the pastor once again opened his eyes, and he noticed there were several other people looking around. You ever done that? You look, and you get caught. And uh, so they, everybody was kind of feeling uncomfortable, and definitely the pastor. And then the farmer added, but Lord, when you mix them all together and bake them, I do love me some warm, fresh biscuits. So, Lord, when things come up that we don't like, when, when life gets hard, when we don't understand what you're saying to us, Lord, is help us just relax and wait until you're done mixing. It'll probably be even better than biscuits. Amen. Wow, what a great perspective. Guys, let me tell you something. God is not surprised by what you're going through. God is using it because you're, you're a biscuit in the bacon. Okay? He's wanting to take what's mixed up in you and do something great with it. I want you to notice, have you ever thought about how God helps you handle your ups and downs? What does he do? Notice what he does. He says, but I have pleaded for you in prayer. That's what he does. The scripture says that he told Peter, he said, I have pleaded for you in prayer, Simon, that your faith should not fail. Here's the second thing I want you to see, guys, this morning. Jesus is praying for you. Jesus is praying for you. Jesus had a private conversation with his father for Simon. He didn't just have a private conversation with Satan, but Jesus had a private conversation with his father. Jesus is praying for you. Three weeks ago, I'm headed from Charleston. I had some work done on this little car I bought, and, and I'm headed from Charleston, and, 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 and I'm listening to some stuff, and, and I, to, to some scripture, and I hear this scripture in my car, and, and it grabs my attention, and, and I just, you know, you know, grab some paper over there, and I'm driving with left hand, don't tell my wife, and driving with left hand and right with my right hand, and, and just, God has just given me these thoughts, and I drive 15 or 20 minutes, and, and I saw a hardy sign. And I'm like, you know what? I need some Southern inspiration. And so I stopped at Hardy's. I got me a half-sweet half sweet tea, and, and I went under and backed under some shade trees there, and, and the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. And, and guys, believe it or not, I started writing this message. 
And uh, just God just gave me some stuff. In fact, I've got a group of men I've been meeting with now close to two years. And the, the next Thursday, I, I told them, I said, God's given me a message. And I shared a little bit with them. And, and uh, they were like, great. And I said, I just got to find somewhere to preach it. Then Phil Waters looks at me and he says, don't pray. that You know, you better watch out. Don't pray that. I said, well, you know, God knows what he's needed to do. And that next Monday, Austin calls me said, you know, it's a possibility you're speaking something for us. You see, guys, I believe God gave me this message for you. I really do. But there's three things that, that really jumped out at me on this passage of Scripture. Three things, and one for sure that I've taken for granted. But number one is Jesus is praying for me. I, I knew that, I know that, but I guess I'd taken it for granted. I, I didn't expect it. I wasn't asking for it. I wasn't experiencing it. I wasn't claiming it. God is praying for me. Let me tell you something this morning. Jesus is praying for you. Have you ever realized that? That Jesus literally prays for you. Because that's what the scripture says. That's one of the most amazing truths about the resurrection. It's not that, just, that Jesus just died for us. It's not that he was just raised from the dead, with, which that's enough, that, that proves our justification. But the Bible says that Jesus ever lives to intercede for us. Look at this. Man, I'm about to get excited. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand. Look what he's doing. He is pleading for us. Can you say he's pleading for me? Say that with me right now. He's pleading for me. Claim that promise. Look what Romans, that's Romans here, look what Hebrews says. Therefore, he is able once and forevermore to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. Guys, let me tell you something this morning. I hope you get that, that Jesus is praying for you. Jesus is interceding for you. When you wake up in the morning, what if you woke up and said, Jesus is praying for me. Jesus, he's got my back. Jesus is going to be praying for me when I go to school tomorrow. Some of you, you're so excited about going to school tomorrow. You can't wait to study and take all them tests and, and, and you know, and, and all this. But when you get up in the morning, you go to school, you can say, Jesus, you're praying for me. Some of you teachers, you know, you're fixing to go face all those, you know, derelicts. And, and, and you can just say, Jesus, help me. Jesus, intercede for me as I... Face these little brats. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Intercede for me. Y'all know I'm right. <laughs> Maybe you got a boss that just gets on your nerves. Say, Jesus, help me. Intercede for me. Maybe you're having trouble with a son or daughter and you just need to say, Jesus, I need you to intercede for me so I can understand how to deal with this. Maybe some of you teenagers, you got a problem with a parent. That's possible, okay? That happens. Doesn't happen in my house, but you know I'm kidding. <laughs> Jesus, intercede for me. Don't take it for granted. Don't forget about it. Test him. See what he'll do. You see, because I, I believe that, that as I think about that, is, is I believe that Jesus is sitting right there next to the Father saying, Father, Keep him from sin. 
Father, keep him from giving up. Father, bring him to repentance. Father, give her the strength to endure what she's going through. Father, forgive them because I've already paid for their sin. Listen to me this morning. There is no power in the world that can equal the prayers of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want us to look at this prayer just a second, though, and because and, and, this, is, this is something else that just kind of rocked my world as, as I understood this prayer. Basically, you know what Jesus prayed? If you really look at the meaning of this, here's what it is. I have prayed that your faith would not go into an eclipse or fall into an eclipse. That's really what that, la- that word there, fail, means. What happens in an eclipse? Goes away, doesn't it? It's, it's blocked. Turns black. You can't see it. So, so I think that's kind of, in a sense, what, what Jesus is, is saying here. That's what he means. But then there's a word there, pastas, okay? That's what the word faith is. That's, that's the Greek word there for faith. And it comes from the root word, patheo, okay? You know what that word means, really? The word faith means to persuade, to be persuaded. Or really, here is the sense of it, I think, that it's used here. It's divine persuasion. You ever realize that's what faith is? It's divine persuasion. Let me ask you something. You do something, and they're telling you to do it. What do they say to you? You can trust me. What did they just do? They just persuaded you. That's what faith is, but it's divine persuasion. It's God saying to you, you can trust me. You can do this. And man, that just, when I began to study that, I thought, wow, that, that's amazing. Another word could be a vow or a covenant relationship in that. But I want you to look at the actual translation when you really see, I think, what Jesus was saying here. Listen to this. I have prayed for you that your divine persuasion would not go into an eclipse. You see that? In other words, he's saying that divine persuasion in your life that that keeps you in focus, I am praying that it won't fade away, that it won't leave you. What happens in an eclipse? The sun disappears, doesn't it? That's what Jesus is saying here. I've prayed that your divine perspective or persuasion will not fade away. You know what Satan does to us, guys? You know what he's trying to do to Simon? He was trying to disrupt God's divine persuasion in his life. That is exactly what God does, I mean Satan does to you. If he can disrupt God's divine persuasion in your life, then he will disrupt what God wants to do in you. He will disrupt what God created you for. You see, it is God's divine persuasion that enables us to do what God has created us to do. So when we let something else creep into our life, then what happens, it fades out, it drowns out God's divine persuasion. And I hope that you get that this morning. I hope that impacts you like it did me. Then here's the second thing that just grabbed me about this passage of Scripture. Why in the world didn't Jesus pray that Peter wouldn't deny him? Because he didn't. He says, Peter, Simon, Satan has desired to sift you. But I have prayed that your faith would not fail. You know why I think, and I'm going to give you an educated guess, probably not real educated, 
Jesus was not threatened by Simon's denial. Because he used Satan's sifting of Simon to separate him from the self-centered, impure person that he was so that he would develop a dependence on God. You see, I think he says to Peter in a sense, Peter, I've prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And then notice what he says. So when you've returned, strengthens the brothers. Peter, you're going to get sifted here. You're going to stumble. You're going to blow it like never before. But Peter, I am praying for you that your faith will ultimately not fail. You know what I think he really says in today's terms? I got your back, Peter. You can trust me. You can trust my divine persuasion because I know exactly what's going to happen. And then notice what Jesus says to him, and when you have returned. Notice what he said there. And when you have returned. Look at that scripture. When you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. In other words, he's saying here, and Jesus is telling Peter, when? Jesus didn't have any doubt that his prayer would be answered. He didn't say, if you have repented and turned to me. He said, when? He had confidence in his prayer. Now, here's the thing, that, that the last thing that really jumps out on me about this passage of Scripture is we get so hung up on our failures. Have you noticed that? We get so hung up on our past. What do we do? We forget the faith. We let our faith fail. We drift away from God. We eclipse God's divine persuasion. And what do we do? We focus on our behavior. That's not what Jesus said to Simon. He didn't say focus on your denial. Focus. No, he said, what do he say? Don't let your faith fail. You see what happens? Satan will get us to so focus on our past, so focus on our failure, that it will take our eyes off of the faith in God's divine persuasion. And as, as, as I was studying this passage of Scripture, it just really just jumped out at me, and I'm like, wow, that's what I do. That's what we do. But I want you to notice what happens next. And what Jesus, I think, is saying to you this morning is Jesus has an assignment for you. Peter, when you have been restored, when you have repented, when you've turned away, in a sense, from what you're doing, okay, look what he says. I have an assignment. Peter, you're going to strengthen your brothers. Guys, this whole passage is, is, a, is a picture of God's mercy and, and God's grace. And God used this whole thing so that Peter could begin to live out his assignment. And as we look on out through Scripture in First and Second Peter in the book of Acts, we see that assignment unfold. Guys, let me tell you something. God's, God's not blown away by what you do. How many parents are here? Okay. All right. Every one of you, your, your, child, your child's behavior doesn't surprise you, does it? You know? No. Because you, you know them. God's not surprised by you. That's not his focus. He's got an assignment for you. Every single one of you here, 
about a week and a half ago, I had a truck for sale. This guy called me on, it's actually Sunday afternoon. He says, I want to buy your truck. And I said, great, good. I want to sell it. <laughs> and he said, I'm going to give it to somebody. And people tell me all kinds of things. And so I said, that's great, you know, good. He said, well, I'll call you and we'll get together. And to make a long story short, I was over in Spartanburg, a place over there where my son works. And, and uh, I told the guy, I'll just meet you over here. I'm, I've got to do some stuff over here. And so I was sitting there in the warehouse and I'm going to change the guy's name because I don't want to embarrass anybody. And he says, hey, this is Hank. I'm out here. And uh, get the truck. So I walk outside. I go out there and there's two guys standing there and and uh, I hand him the keys. I said, here's the keys, Hank. He said, uh, take it for a drive. He said, no, I don't need to drive it. I said, what? He said, no, I don't need to drive it. I said, why not? He said, well, you had to drive it over here. I said, okay, but I'd really love it if you drove it. No, I don't need to drive it. He handed me cash, a big old wad of cash. And uh, I said, you sure? He said, yeah. So uh, I got the title out, and there was another guy with him, and I'm going to call him Jimmy. And he takes those keys. And Jimmy walks up. He said, Jimmy, here's your truck. I'm like, wow, this guy was serious. He wasn't just trying to get me to lower price. He was serious. And uh, I got the title and signed it, told the guy what he needed to do. And I said, well, whose name does it need to be? And he said, it's his truck. I'm giving it to him. Because he's a great guy and he just needs a help. He, he needs a helping hand. He needs to get on his feet. And uh, so Jimmy signs his first name there on the title and he stops. He says, I, I can't do this. I can't take this. He says, there's no way I'll ever pay this back. He, said, he looked at Hank and said, you've done so much for me. And he said, I, I can't take this. And Hank said, Jimmy, you've done a lot for me. He says, I believe in you and I, I see things in you. And he said, that old truck you drive and it breaks down, it tears up. And you pull up somebody's house in that thing, you scare them to death. He said, I want you to have this truck. And I looked at him and I said, uh, Jimmy, this is, this is really an amazing moment. I said, don't rob this man of a blessing. This man wants to give you this truck. I said, I've never seen anything like it. I've done this for a while. And I said, he wants to give it to you. And uh, he looked at me and he said, he said, well, when I look in that glass there, I, I don't like what I see. I don't like who I am. I said, you know what? A lot of us didn't like who we are. and We see things that we don't like. And I said, but you know what? Jesus doesn't look at what we see. Jesus looks at the heart. And I said, this man told me earlier that you have a big heart. And I said, Jesus knows what's in your heart, Jimmy. And I said, I don't know why, but God wants this man to give you a truck. He wants to bless you. I said, can I pray for you, Jimmy? He said, yeah. I prayed for him, talked to God about him, thanked God for his gifts and his hands and what this man had done. After I finished praying, he looked up at me and he said, could you pray for me again? Could, could you pray that again? He said, I was so scared, I just didn't listen. And I said, well, Jimmy, I said, God knows what's in your heart. And I said, God loves you and God wants a relationship with you. 
And I said, I'm not going to pray the prayer again, Jimmy. I don't mean this any bad way, but I, I wasn't praying to you. I was praying to Jesus and to God for you. I said, but I'll tell you what I said. And I told him and I said, you know what, Jimmy, do you have Jesus in your heart? And he said, I got a good heart. And I said, I'm going to be praying for that. And I said, Jimmy, let me tell you, I care less if you buy this truck. I said, there's a guy over there on a the, on the ladder that came over here when I pulled up and said he, he's really interested in it. I said, I don't really care about that. I said, but you know what? If God wants to, to use this man in your life, let him. Let him. He signed it, took the keys, and he drove off. The man that called me texted me said, wow. Never knew nothing like that was going to happen. I said, neither did I. I'm just glad I could be part of it. I said, God had a great assignment for you. He said, I guess he did. Talked to him this week, and he said, Jimmy's been in the hospital all week. And he said, but he called me, and we talked about a lot of stuff. I didn't know about him. Shared a lot of stuff with me. And he said, pray for him, because he listened to my pastor's sermon online. Sunday that man followed God's assignment listen to me this morning what Satan wants to use to destroy you God can use to propel you to develop you don't let your faith fade away don't let that divine persuasion of the Holy Spirit of God that wants to work in you and do things that you could never understand, that you could never figure out, that you could never do on your own. Don't let anything that you've done happen to you cause that to fade away. There is an assignment for every single person in this room that God wants you to do. Anytime God puts you through sifting, He's not doing it just because He loves to sift. He's doing it because He's got an assignment for you. I told the other group when they came in, I, I live over by the Pelham Hospital. It's not five miles between here and there. I think there's 12 new neighborhoods I've counted that are being built just between there. No telling how many is on the other side here. God has an assignment for Four Points Church. And God has let this church be sifted so that you guys can reach these people. Listen to me. God knows exactly what's going on, okay? He knows who's going to leave. He knows what he has to do. He knows who these people are. And, and maybe some of you are waiting on somebody else's assignment. Listen to me this morning. God has an assignment for you. He wants to use you. I just pray that you will listen to that assignment. Because you see, when, when Jimmy looked at me and he said, I, I, I don't deserve this truck. I, I can't never pay this back. I, I, I'll never be able to repay this. I, I, I can't earn this. I, I don't deserve it. Guys, that's exactly where we are at the foot of Jesus. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. But see, we try to. We want to think, well, 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 you know, Jesus, I can't earn this now. I'm not good enough. But you, you're not going to ever get there apart from him. You see, that, that was a major picture of the grace of God that I, in a way I've never seen it before. Because Hank said it's a gift. 
Jimmy, I don't expect nothing in return. You see, that's what Jesus does to us. He's trying to give you life. I want you to bow your heads with me this morning, and I just wonder, is there anybody here today that you don't know Jesus? You don't have a relationship with Him, but you'd like to enter into that today. You want Him to be your Savior. You want to be one of His children. Nobody looking around. But if you're here today and you need to know Jesus, you need for Jesus to step out of heaven into your heart, would you just look up at me real quick so I can pray for you? If you don't see me, raise your hand. Anybody here? Okay. I just feel like there's somebody here today that you've lost that divine persuasion. You've let something come into your heart to steal that away. I don't know who you are. I'm not going to ask you to even look up at me. But if that's you today, I want you to let that go. I just want you to pray and say, God, I need that in my life again. God, I need you to put that back in. I need you to fill that back up. And God, I'm ready for your assignment. I'm ready to step into what you've called me to do. God, I'm ready to take it home. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you don't give up on us. Father, thank you so much that you're never surprised. Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus, not just die for us, but Father, to plead for us, to sit right there at your, at your side and talk about Stephen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that your son is pleading for us, Father God. And Father, thank you for the assignment Father, don't let us do anything. Don't let us do anything that's going to block that divine persuasion in our life. We love you, Jesus. I pray for Four Points Church, Father God. I pray that your Holy Spirit will lead them and guide them and sift them, Father God, where they need to be sifted. That you will get all the glory and the power and the honor. In your holy name I pray.